0: On this episode of Another Day, Another Book, I talked to Lyra Tamani, author of Calling My Name and All the Things We Never Knew, about publishing her second book during a pandemic, social media, the fear of letting people down and being a people pleaser, as well as the importance of black love within the industry. I really enjoyed talking with her and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hi Lyra, how are you?
1: Hey, what's up? I'm good.
0: So how has 2020 been going for you and with all the coronavirus stuff and releasing a book during that, how's that been going for you? Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, initially it was like, what? It's like, you know, you go talk to your people, you talk to your agent, you talk to everybody, like, should you push it back or what's going on? But we realized too, this is going to be the situation for some time. Um, We're in it kind of for the long haul. So uh, we didn't want to push the book back and we decided to go with it. And you know it's been different—not going on a book tour, not being at the conferences, not really talking in person to people <laughs> about the book while you're trying to promote it. You know, it's that is has definitely been different. But I would say the with the Zoom, all the new the new technology that has um, cropped up in the place of in-person contact um, has allowed. Me to reach people and talk to people um, that wouldn't ordinarily be able to come to in-person events. Even for my launch, you know, I had friends and family from all over the country at yeah. my launch, you know, event, and they wouldn't have wouldn't have ordinarily been able to do that. Um, and talking to, you know, I was all, I did a Talia Hibbert uh, event the other day with her new um, book, Take a Hint, Danny Brown. <laughs> like, Uh, I love talking to her and I don't know if that would have come about, it probably would not have come about um, if it had not been um, for the Zoom and the technology. Um, So you know, it has had its negatives, but I'm always, I'm the type of person, I'm like, you know i try to focus on the positive <laughs> you know when i can you know of course sometimes you got to just deal with things and you know uh, try to overcome them and but in trying to overcome just this coronavirus thing is uh, i've been trying to
0: focus on the positives and what um i could get out of that so it's I been think- cool I Think it's been really nice, like having when I saw your book was still being released because I saw quite a few books being pushed back that I was looking forward to, and having some books still be released. And a book, your I think your book came out at like a very pivotal point. You know, it it was during like the Black Lives Matter where people were protesting and we were looking for more books about things other than you know, black, like you know, like black suffering. And your book, um, your latest book, All the Things We Never Knew, is like basic, it's black love, and that's what I think the industry is missing so having your book come out at the time and during a pandemic you know where yeah. uh, finding the things that are enjoyable is very hard <laughs> yeah it was, was a great thing um I mean for people who don't know about your latest book can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah and well let me just say thank you and um yeah I'm glad that was I didn't speak about that the whole Black Lives Matter issue but yeah it came out at a really good time, people are looking for feel good books and um, with black characters that are not suffering, like you said, um, and that are not being brutalized and are not dying, you know, black mm-hmm. characters that are living their lives and <laughs> trying to live their lives as, 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 you know, joyous as they possibly can, but obviously you're going through things. So, okay, with um, all the things we never knew, It's the love story of Carly and Rex, who are both high school basketball players. Um, And when they first meet, uh, they have a very strong connection, but they realize that they kind of have to go through things personally on their own if they want the relationship to work out. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a book not only about romantic love, which is at the forefront, you know, don't get me wrong, but (laughs) it's also a book about familial love. and the love of friends and really the love of self too which is you know all wrapped up because you bring all that to a relationship (laughs) you know it's not not you don't go into a relationship with just the feelings you hold about that person it's like whatever you're dealing with at home (laughs) whatever you know however you feel about yourself all that is going to get wrapped up into that relationship and you definitely see that in this book
0: yeah. Yeah, and I was going to ask as well. I mean, like you explore like, you know, the bliss of first love and like relationships and how lovely that can be, but you also portray the, you know, the difficulties of that any love can be, especially as teenagers, and, you know, why did you decide to show, you know, both sides of it, you know, the struggles that they have in their family life and other areas of their life as well as the struggles of their relationship, romance and all of that?
1: Yeah, um I decided to show it because it's real, right? It's like it's like teenagers are often well not often most teenagers are living at home if you're in high school you're living at home with your parents you know most of the time and you are going to be taking in whatever is going on in that environment good or bad you know and we often leave that out in our stories because we just want to focus on the love and the love Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's it's not realistic you know whatever you are dealing you know in in this book Rex. Um, his mother died when she was giving birth to him and he is growing mm-hmm. up with his father. His father is very distant and um, and he thinks Rex thinks that it's because he blames him, Rex, for the death of his mother. So death has I mean Rex has a lot of guilt around the death of his mother. Now that is something that <laughs> you're not gonna be bringing into a relationship. <laughs> There is no, you know, complete removal of that. All, all of the hurt, all of the pain that's still there. Um, and, even when he wants to, I mean, really Rex, it's like he is ready for love, right? He is not really like he's experienced it his whole life. So he is ready for love. He is trying to open up to Carly. He just wants to open up all the way and go all in because it's something that he's been longing for really his whole life to feel this love. But then you got Carly. Carly is over here, you know, she's had an ideal kind of, you know, both of her parents, you know, she lives at home with both her parents, and they've pretty much gotten along. Happy family, younger brother who loves her to death, and um, all of a sudden, her parents are like, "We're getting a divorce," and she mm-hmm. has no idea why. And she's dealing with she wants to quit basketball. She's wanted to quit for a long time, but feels pressure to play um, by her father, who really wants her to play, and just for her, her teammates. teammate. She's the star, right? You don't you yeah. want you don't want the star to quit, and so when she goes into a relationship, she also has all these feelings, but she's more guarded because she's lost. You, you know, that feeling you have when you're like mm-hmm. you feel lost, so you really don't know what to do yourself. And so you have a hard time sharing things with other people when you feel lost yourself because you don't even know how to put it in words. And you know, so she's trying to figure everything out. And so you have both of them coming together and there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot they don't know about each other. They're learning about each other. There's a lot of confusion um, that happens. And that happens in relationships, right? It's like, you know, I think I've been in, you know, probably one too many of relationships. And I've <sighs> learned from this with people who had not dealt with their issues. <laughs> you yeah. know? And we're bringing all those issues to the relationship and it was unfair to me you know you know i didn't (laughs) figure out that until much later um Mm -hmm. but you know it's important that people work on themselves not only for the benefit of all their loves not just their relationship because it certainly affects their relationships with people but you know the love of their career the just their lives it's like if you don't work on your stuff and try to you know fix the things that you need to fix it's going to have some impact And that's something that I wanted to say, you know, and that's something that kids need to know, you know, whether their stuff is from themselves and their own personal issues that they're working out, or if it's things that they've witnessed and gone through with their families, it's still something to look at, to be aware of, not to just like hide it or try to forget about it and suppress (laughs) it, you know, but be aware of it look at it and see if you can like get beyond it. So...
0: I think that's really important because I'm 18 and I like all my friends might be in relationships and stuff I I can't imagine being in one not knowing myself like I see a lot of them trying to change because they see what that they see what the other person wants and because they don't 100% know themselves yet and for me it's like I need to know myself before I can give even a little bit to somebody else and I think you don't see that in a lot of Um, young adult fiction, adult fiction, you don't see them approaching that topic. And like you said, it's so important to know yourself first and be happy with yourself. Because when you get into a relationship, you're not just bringing, um, you know, yourself that they see in front of you, you're also bringing your family, you're bringing everything that comes with you. And if you're not 100% okay with all of that, you can't expect somebody else to be okay with that. Yeah, totally. And when you're not, you know, when you don't have
1: that love of self, most of the time you will just take crap off of people. You know what I'm saying? It's like that you do not need to take, you know, and that's something that I definitely did. It's like before I knew myself and loved myself enough to know you deserve better. (laughs) It's like, you know, or you're talking about your friends that are changing. Yeah. So if somebody is like, well, you need to be certain this way and you need to be this way. If you don't love yourself enough to be like, nah, (laughs) oh I'm actually good and if you're not good with this then maybe you need to step somewhere
0: else (laughs) you
1: know (laughs) it's like but you have it takes work to get there you know it takes work to get there
0: yeah and you also spoke about um Carly and Rex and their opposite in the kind of their home situation you know with um Rex being an only child whose mother died giving birth to him and um Carly you know having her parents having a divorce not really knowing why they're getting a divorce i mean that i think is quite interesting because sometimes in young adult fiction either the parents are non-existent at all like you just never see them right, <laughs> or you know it's kind of like this glorified home life you know they have two parents or one has one parent who's just kind of gone and run away you kind of face the situation head on how important was it? to you to kind of portray different home situations and not the idealistic so you can get that perfect love story but more a realistic love story
1: yeah I mean because it's like a lot of people are living in homes a lot of teens are living in home where it's not the ideal (laughs) situation I mean shoot some kids are living in home where they're going home every day from school to hear yelling matches just shouting matches, you know, from their parents, you know, a lot, you know, there, how many marriages end in divorce these days? Like a <laughs> lot. <laughs> and so before that divorce happens, there's some stuff going on in the households, you know, yeah. and, um, and we don't talk about those things, I guess, because maybe they're not fun. Or like you said, a lot of times, if, if the kids are going through something, it's like, okay, one of the parents died, you Mm -hmm. know, or, but, you know, there are a lot of people just dealing with parents who have not resolved their issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and then if parents don't resolve their issues, they're passing that down onto their children and making their children deal with their stuff, you know, and it happens. And so I wanted to say, you know, to teens and people who are dealing with that, it's like, I see you, you know mm-hmm. it's like you know been there you know and it's not fun but at the same time it's like you can choose different for yourself you know just like i feel like carly does a good job in this um and i don't want to give away too much so maybe i won't <laughs> go into detail but it's like she sees you know things happening with her parents and she sees how they are and she's like no you know we can do better than this i can do better than this and so there's always that opportunity for you to say, I'm not going to take on your stuff either. It's like, that is y'all stuff, and I'm not going to take that on. (laughs) That is your stuff, and I'm not going to take that on. You don't have to take on everything, you know, that your parents are dealing with. Um, And it's okay to um, create some distance between yourself and their issues, you know, when you can. Um, And so, yeah, it was important in formulating those, because they informed who they are. They inform. The, the, their, their situations with Carly and Rex and both of their parents, you know, they had a tremendous impact on who Carly and Rex were in that moment, right? Because mm-hmm. we all go through things and we're having reactions to things that are going on in our lives and depending on what is going on in our lives, that will be different. But right then when they met, that is what was happening in their, their lives. And it ended up having a major impact on the relationship, you know? Um, where it goes in the future, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think what you said about, you know, your home life does affect what the situation you are the situation you are in at that time when you enter a relationship. I mean, my parents have never been together as far well, since I can remember. And, you know, they have their own issues. Not that my mom would let me see that, but I definitely think that going into a relationship, that would affect. The way that I'm seeing that relationship and if someone else is trying to you know you know trying to fit fe- I think you're I just I don't even know how to say it. I think your home situation does affect the way that you approach relationships and totally. that doesn't get enough um like it doesn't get enough vis- it doesn't it's not visual enough in the in the book industry I think and I think that it does need to be seen more because like you said it is so important um for young adults like myself to see that
1: Yeah, and especially in the beginning, I feel in our our first relationships, it's like, you know, in the very beginning, you almost, I mean, I know I did. It's like my parents didn't get along when I, you know, when I was growing up. And um, and you take what you see to rationalize things in your own relationship. Like, it's Mm kind of like, oh, well, you know, if you see a terrible relationship, then if you're in a terrible relationship, you may be like, oh, well, this is normal. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, you will you will definitely be impacted by those relationships until you can kind of like, you know, put some separation between that or until you have enough experiences on your own to be like, no, this is whack. Like it is really terrible to be in a relationship with an asshole or is it really <laughs> to be in a relationship with somebody who's trying to control me all the time or it is really terrible to be whatever the case may be you know this is not the case for rex you know he's not controlling and you know i don't think he's an asshole at all i think he's super sweet actually um but uh, although he does have an asshole moment uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no it's like until you get out there you know, or you see enough examples, you know, which hopefully, you know, this book is an example of that, you know, of people who are like, hey, this is what I'm seeing at home and experience at home. But, you know, let me check out something different for myself, or let me want something different for myself, I can have something different for myself. Some people don't even think it's a possibility. Because obviously, if you spent like 17, 18 years growing up in your parents house, when you get out into the world, whatever that was going on to that house is going to seem normal to you mm-hmm. you know and you know some people have to go through therapy some people have to you know just live it out and experience you know some people may you know get experiences through literature or other ways so you can see all of the different types of relationships and how they impact you but i feel like just an awareness just that awareness to say hey how I grew up will probably, you know, impact not just in your relationships, all of you, right? It's yeah. like we all, have this, um, we all have this person that we're brought up, you know, in our parents' house and even what their expectations are for our lives and all of this. And then we have who we, who we really are and who we feel who we are, you know, inside of ourselves, you know, and trying to reconcile both of those under the roof of your parents it's going to feel different than you being alone out in the world and making decisions for yourself. You know, you start to come into yourself more once you get out of the house, but definitely our parents in our home situations have a lot of influence us over us when we're in high school.
0: Yeah. And I, w- I just want to go back to something that you said a bit earlier. Um, You spoke about Carly and how wh- while she plays basketball and she's a star of the show, she secretly wants to quit basketball, be- but she has no idea what dream to replace it with I feel that is reflective of a lot of you know teenagers and adults because um sometimes I'm like yep I definitely want to do this thing this is what I want to be when I'm older and other times like well is this am I 100% certain this is what I want to do um did you feel that like when you were when you're writing that did it call to you as like a as a teenager does it call to you now I I don't know what your thought process was when you were writing that
1: yeah like when I was growing up I was a people pleaser. And I'm still really trying to get out of that too. Like the way I grew up, I grew up in the church. And it's like I grew up with a lot of fear of not doing the right thing all the time. And so, you know, when somebody told me you're supposed to do this, I would do it you know, Mm -hmm. because I wanted them to, I wanted to please them, you know, and I wanted to be a good girl, which, you know, that term makes my skin crawl now, but just knowing how much I tried to live up to that expectation that everybody had for me. And part of that expectation when I was young was playing basketball. I played basketball in high school, not because I wanted to, but because my dad wanted me to, you know, my brother played in college, he played in college, all my family played my cousins my sister you know there was an expectation for me to play and actually in junior high my i wasn't playing and then the coach conspired with my parents to like really make me play oh, wow. <laughs> So and then after that, I went, you know, um, it took me a while to get over to just being an author because I spent and wasted a whole bunch of time going to law school and following that track, you know, and it was because my dad wanted me to be a a lawyer. And so with a lot of my books, um, I always emphasize listening to yourself and what you want to do. Um, But that is a scary thing, you know, especially in this situation with Carly. She knows she wants to quit basketball. But but she has all these scholarships, right, because she's put on in all this work, you know, for basketball and she does not have a dream to replace it with. It's like she does not have that thing that she can go and she can focus on that. She can say, hey, everybody, I'm not doing basketball, but I'm doing this. And it's to satisfy that need in everybody else. Right. That need that says, well, what else are you going to do if you're not doing that, you know, and it's so much pressure. It's so much pressure, you know, and I know so many high school kids feel so much pressure to like do a certain thing, you know, do a certain thing that their parents want them to do, you know, that they're expected to do Um, and or just or just to have it figured out like you need to have it figured out what you want to do. But it's so kind of important to remember. It's just one step at a time. It's like, okay, what do I want to do now? Right now, what do you want to do? you know, and you start planning for the future, but a lot of it is just an incremental steps, figuring out the next step. And then after you get there, figuring out the very next step. You know, a lot of us don't have it all figured out, you know, and can see it to the future. Good of us, you know, if you do you know, applause, applause, but a lot of us don't, you know, for different reasons, you know, maybe the person that we are at home and we grew up as, you know, is not completely aligned with who we feel like we are inside, you know, and maybe that needs some time to reconcile itself before you figure out what you want to do, you know, maybe if you were like super free to do whatever you wanted to do growing up, maybe you'd found that passion early, and you know because i hear about writers who are like yeah i want to i've been writing books since i was 7 years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, like yeah. what you know I, <laughs> I, I i didn't start writing until like i was in my late 20s i think or like maybe even early 30s seriously because it took me that long to figure it out you know
0: yeah i i definitely i i think as a teenager I don't think I wanted to ever please my parents but there were certain things that people could say to me that would get me to change my mind like Mm -hmm. when I chose um, for A levels you can choose three subjects you wanted to do and I was like I want to do sociology what I wanted to do is sociology I have no idea but somebody was like to me it's not facilitating you're not going to get into the top universities with that subject so I didn't take that subject I took history and let me tell you that was the biggest pain of my life. Oh, I yeah. cried and I cried and I and I wasn't bad at the subject I just didn't like it. Right. I did it to please uh, not not even just myself but just to look good to to a university who if it didn't take me because I took sociology then maybe it wasn't right for me. Right. Mhm. Yeah. It's like well what it's like well I thought okay what am I going to do with sociology nothing. I know I want to go to university to study maybe humanity subjects but again, history's close to English, so that's what you should take. But it's just that, that hard decision to not please everybody else mm-hmm. and to kind of know your own dreams, to sit down and think, okay, Olivia, what do you wanna do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it that you love? You know, Even if it's like, when am I ultimately gonna be? Maybe you don't know that. It's like, but what do I love? you know, what do I want to spend time and energy on right now? It's like, and we have to listen to that. It's like, I feel like I was the opposite. It's like, in terms of class, it's like, yeah, it's, it it was the same as like, what are colleges going to look at? What are always chose classes like that? Even in in college, it was like, well, what classes are going to get me into law school? It, it's like if you're always kind of making these decisions based on like what somebody else is going to think and what it's like, then we miss out on learning for ourselves because maybe you would have learned something in sociology that have, would have opened up a new door for you somewhere else. It's like not yeah. saying it'll all come right. I feel like I feel at I believe that it all comes in time and it's all cyclical and you'll have another opportunity to learn whatever that was. And you'll have, you know, it's like, but in those moments, if we can start choosing ourselves and listening to ourselves, you know, as much as possible, you know, we will probably arrive where we want to arrive a lot sooner.
0: Yeah. And, um, both of your novels, i um, calling my name and all the things we never knew are set in Houston. Is Houston somewhere that you love?
1: Well, Houston is somewhere that I, I'm from Houston now and I live here. I mean, I'm from Houston. I grew up in Houston and I live here now. And, um, I, I love it because my family is here, you know, and I have friends here. Um, I don't love it because it is really conservative. Um, and I feel like so many of the people think the same and they fit in these little boxes and expect you to do the same which i'm like now that i'm an adult i'm so over that i'm like i want to be as free and live as free as possible so in some ways i feel like i my circle has gotten so small just because i because i want to feel free i only invite people in that i feel really safe around you know yeah. and in other places i've lived like california you know that would be a much larger circle because california is more accepting they're more open you know they're more liberal you know so i would feel more free in that environment or in new york same thing i've lived there too um houston it has a long way to go (laughs) But, you know, but I'm here. Um, I have to live here now because um, I have a daughter and her dad lives here. So I'm here to stay close to her, her dad. So she can, you know, we can co-parent. But I would, if if I didn't have my daughter, I probably wouldn't be here. It's not, it's not one of my favorite places to live, but it is my home. And so too, it's like, you know, part of my writing is like reconciling that. It's like, you know, my first book I wrote about, you know, this girl who is growing up in a super religious household, you know, is fine, trying to find um, a sense of spirituality for herself, you know, and of course there's romance in there and there's other things in there, but that is like kind of the heart of the book. And that was my experience here. So I'm here and I'm living here, but I'm, I'm. it's almost therapeutic in a way because I'm writing through what I've lived here, you know? Um, so, yeah.
0: I think I agree. I went to, um, so I've been to New York three times in my life and the first time and the second time I was like, I love it. I would love to live here. The last time that I went last summer, I was like, actually, as much as I do love it here, London is my home. I love that freedom. I don't, as much as New York is very free, the people are lovely to a certain extent. I just feel yeah. London is much freer than that and I also went to Washington which is a very confusing place um and I just <laughs> felt every state is completely different and if you're not if you're not from America or you haven't visited there people don't understand that and no. I yeah. think with your books, I understand a little bit of Houston, I understand that kind of, super. with your first book, Calling My Name, you know, the, um, she's from a super religious household, you kind of get that. And I think that, like, with books, you definitely can can get a piece of a different city or a different state with a book, and I think that's so important as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's like when you hear America, you just think of it as one big blob. But literally like every single state could be a different country. Mm-hmm. I mean, all in size, you know, and culture. Um, and so the culture of Texas and Houston, Texas, where I grew up and where I live now is completely different from New York, completely different from California, completely different from Michigan, completely different from all these places. And I, because I am from here, it's like, I want to shout out all the kids from here too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know this experience because I've lived this experience. A lot of authors are from Cal, a lot of authors are from the east or west coast, either like California or DC or New York. There's not a ton of authors from Houston, like, you know, um, that I know of. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, And so it's like, I want to shout out, especially the teens and the kids from Houston. And I want to show some of their experience. And it is different. It's like, you know, some people in New York, when you talk about growing up in a super religious household and, you know, being afraid of going to hell, they're like, you actually think hell is a real place? You actually thought that? (laughs) You didn't think of it as like some kind of like metaphor. And I'm like, uh, no, that, (laughs) and if you go around to Houston now, half the people you talk to are going to say it's a real place, you know, or more, you know? (laughs) So it's like, it's like, you know, even, you know, crossing those cultural lines or going to Houston, and New York, people from New York don't even understand things about Houston and people in Houston don't understand things about New York. Um, but yeah, I love New York too, but I couldn't live there either. It's like the energy is so intense. I want just a dose of it. And then I want to go somewhere a little bit slower it's just so busy <laughs> New York yeah. is so so
0: busy <laughs> um, my cousin she lived in New York and then um she told me she was gonna move to Austin and I was like but why it's lovely and then I went there the last time I was like do you know what as fun as it is to have this kind of fast-paced energy sometimes you need to slow it down be able to get in your car and just drive around for exactly. a bit by yourself
1: <laughs> yes and she Austin is an amazing your cousin picked an amazing place to live Austin is um it's artistic and it's to me, it's like the best, one of the best um, Texas towns. I mean, it, what I will say that Houston is very diverse, and Austin is not. Um, but they are probably the most liberal and definitely kind of free and non-judgmental. Um, and there's so much happening there. You know, um, Tesla just announced a factory. They're building a factory there. Um, Apple has a campus. It's like the new tech hub. And so there's gonna be a lot of, you know, economic activity um, in Austin. So it's, it's up in, it's already, and they have so many arts festivals there every year, um, really that people from all over the country and really world come to. So it's already like on the map, but I feel like it's a growing place. So
0: it's a, it's a cool place. Your cousin has chosen really well. <laughs> Yeah, I might have to let her know that because even her mom was like, are you crazy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I feel like she's going to love Austin. Shoot, give, give her my number. We could hook up on a you know, <laughs> coronavirus is over. But no, we go to Austin... Austin is one of our places where we go, like we we get in Austin a couple times a year, it has also good nature, like there's a lots of rivers around there and lakes around there, so you can get in like, you know, hiking and like, you know, whether you're boating or whatever on the lakes and in the rivers or tubing, um, and then also it has a good culture
0: and art scene, um, so it's good, it's real good. <laughs> Um, I also wanted to go back to what you were saying about um, people not understanding like their deeply religious aspects of maybe Houston. I think that's also something that's strong within the black community because I know that my grandparents put the fear of God into me. Like for <laughs> me hell was a real place. Hell is a still a real place and I've also, my family's like deeply Jamaican. I've grown up with all like the the, you know, the Jamaican like stories, the myths, everything that they yeah. can and I feel that even while I can't understand maybe how Houston is deeply religious, in some ways, like the black community, I do feel like church is kind of the foundation of it, so yeah, when you're talking about that, like in some ways, I can relate,
1: <laughs> yes,
0: and in some ways and, and
1: don't get me wrong, it's like you know a lot of people it is their faith, you know, and their religion um provides so much strength, and you know it's so uplifting and um But for people who have had more of a traumatic experience with it, you know, Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot of trauma um, that religion can cause just because, you know, the out is hell, literally. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of be able to walk through that fire to get out. You know, if, if you're saying I want to believe differently or I don't want to believe that way, you kind of have to walk through the fear of possibly going through hell for a little bit, you know, before you come to your new understanding. And, you know, that to me was, shoot, it was hard. (laughs) It was like really hard. And I I really wasn't able to take that walk until I got out of my parents' house and I was able to read more because really I wasn't even allowed. It's like reading about other religions. What? reading about other faiths it just was not allowed you know and so and and when i got out into the world and saw and met other people from other religions and other faiths and i was able to read about other religions and other faiths it was it allowed me to formulate my own opinions without the fear fear is something else boy it's like fear fear will stop you (laughs) from doing it's so powerful it's such a powerful it can be used as a weapon. It can be used as a tool to stop people. I mean, you have, uh, I mean, fear is, fear is, fear is a big thing. And I know fear kept me in line for a long time, but it's like part of being free, which I'm working towards really every day. It's like, I want to be freer and freer and freer. (laughs) I'm always trying to break free, you know, in my life. And that is, you know, getting rid of fear. So it's like, you know, leaving the fear behind and living free is—it's literally—it's—it's it's what I'm trying to do still. You know, <laughs> years and years later, still.
0: And um social media is a big part of all the things we never knew. And I mean, I guess that is also a way of freedom. How did you? So you portrayed it in quite a—I a, don't know—quite a big way in your book. Why did you choose to include it in that way rather than I don't know? So, like, you know, sometimes people glorify social media or they throw, you know, just complete shade at it. It's just terrible, the most worst thing. It cannot give you freedom. It'll actually just put you in the books. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, I don't even know how
1: that came about or why that came about or why I chose, you know, the characters or who, who they are, you know, it was kind of their link in how they got to each other initially, right? Because it's like, I see you and I just had this experience with you, but it's like, who are you? You know, and so what do you take to? It's like the first thing you go to these days, if you, you see somebody or you meet somebody, but you don't really know anything about them, it's like you hit up their social media and no. so it was like that's what rex and carly did really in this instance and so because i guess that is how it started it's like organically it grew from there and became a a larger part of the plot um and you know even you, with youtube too it's like all these ways of being seen um, when you really don't know anybody. And then it's like because they are both, you know, kind of lightweight famous, it's like they're famous in the sports world. Famous, like Rex is the highest ESPN's high school basketball player of the year. That's one of the pretty much the highest honor you can get, you know, um, as a high school basketball player. People know who he is, you know, and so how that can impact your life as well kind of living out there in the public you know even before you're really really famous I mean obviously when you're famous people will tear you down you know and people have no problem tearing Rex down either it's almost like you know with famous people we're like okay they're famous their feelings don't matter their lives don't matter none of it matters nobody ever it seems has a problem with tearing down anybody famous you know no. which is bad. Um, and so that comes into play as well um yeah my personal feelings about social media are probably different from how (laughs) what's in the book it's like you know with me part of part of my freedom is staying off of social media um it's it has not i have not had a good relationship with it in just in terms of my mental health and so um i have to be aware of that and i want to write and i want to promote myself but at the same time um it's like, I have to be aware of what it, you know, what social media does to me. And it gives me a lot of anxiety and Mm -hmm. it takes me away from reading books, you know, and spending time reading books and writing. And so it's like, i'll go through waves like before promotion like get on there and you know kind of <laughs> spend time on there and then i'm
0: from now i've been kind of just like easing away from it <laughs> but i think as an author it is hot. I, I can't imagine being an author on um social media because you're seeing people they could tear down your book at any point they could be oh. like i love it and then there's some people who will write a review and it seems i was talking to another um author who was like this person said you know happy publication day and they went to look at their review and they said they hated the book. That makes no sense no to me. Sense. Yeah. And, you know, having you work so hard in a book and then someone not like it, it is kind of hard. And, like you said, people tear people down yeah. on social media. And yeah, that is hard. You have to look after yourself.
1: Yeah. It's like people say that all the time. It's like, you know get tagged and don't tag me in a bad review it's like what's the use of it it's like you just really want the author to see it don't tag authors don't mean not taking me out of please people out there if y'all listening, don't tag authors <laughs> in bad reviews. It's like it's okay for you to have an opinion about a review but there's just no reason to tag them and and you know, make them see it, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, that is hard too. And just the constant social interaction with people. It's like, you know, there's this whole universe of people that are not in your real life, really, you know, that exist in this, you know, on this phone and in this community, which, you know, a lot of aspects of the community are so good. You know, it's like, we're talking about books. It's a book community. You're essentially talking about books and a lot of times books you love and you know, books you want to build up. And, you know, just being connected with people who are all have a love of books, I think is a beautiful thing. But it's like, you know, when those connections online or spending so much time online is taking away from the time I spend with my daughter or the time I spend with my friends or the time, you know, it's like time. With people that I love, I'm like, oh, you know, or when it just, I feel like there, it creates with me, I have like a kind of um, a, compuls- a compulsivity it recreates, like you always yeah. want to check it and see what's going on with it. Um, And that is not healthy for me. And so I have to kind of learn, you know, we're all trying to imagine ourselves and reimagine ourselves. And I'm constantly, you know, reimagining myself over and over again. You know, we're all evolving. And so I feel like, you know, I have to take a step away from it in order to come back to it in a healthy way. It's not to say it's all bad, you know, but it definitely has some bad elements that need to be recognized and dealt with, you know so that you know you won't be anxiety ridden and (laughs) and it won't be using you you will be using it as a tool that is helpful but it won't be using you and you won't be spent
0: (laughs) from being on it so yeah no i definitely feel that i think i have a problem with social media because during the whole lockdown and coronavirus, i just spent too much time on it. I see myself checking it when there's nothing to check at all. There's nothing, there's no reason. And like you said, you know, it's good for social interaction, but it does sometimes take you away from real life. And I think that is something that, Myself, a lot of people, either you don't realize it or you do realize it, but you don't know how to address it. And that is yeah. a big problem with social media. You see all the joys, you see all the highs and you see the lows, but sometimes you're not really connecting them together,
1: yeah, yeah. no when i when I first I noticed the big change because when I first got into when I was an author, as an author and stepped up into the author role, um, I got on it before I became an author. I would really just gotten on it maybe a couple years, maybe a year before. And I might, I might have posted like once every three months or something, you know, I was not on there that much. I didn't really take it that seriously, <laughs> you know, it was like kind of something. Um, but then when I got on there as an author and you know, you're expected to do something by your publisher, you're kind of expected to be on there. Um, And so you get on there, you make other friends with all the other authors and Instagram was my main way of connecting with people. I'm kind of on Twitter, but very, very little. I was mostly on Instagram, but you're like on there all the time and connecting with people all the time. And like every day, everybody has news, book news, book news. So you're cheering everybody on and you're commenting on everybody's things. And so there's always notifications and then people are commenting on your things and you're trying to respond back to everybody. And I spiraled kind of like, I i started having anxiety attacks, but I didn't know that they were anxiety attacks because I had never had one. And I had never really experienced anxiety, even though I had done really hard things in my life. Like I had accomplished a lot. i had done some hard things. I had never had anxiety like that. So I thought I was having a heart attack. I went to a cardiologist and then I went to a brain doctor because I thought that there was something wrong with my brain. Yeah. Like I went and then I ended up in the ER and they were like, we think you're just having this is a panic attack. I was like, Oh, what? I'm fine. I'm not stressed. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm Mm. not stressed out. But, um, and that's how, and I stepped away from social media after that. And I was just like, ah, like literally like my life was almost restored to me. And as a creative person too, it's like, you need your life. You know, you need that creative energy to be able to create things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, and after I got off and I felt, you know, you almost feel kind of whole again or just balanced again. You know, I, after that, I could not deny, you know, what it was doing to me, you know, and so, um, and then again with this book, I'm like, okay, but this time I'm more aware, so at least I am um, have that awareness, you know, but still it got to the point it was too much, you know, so I think maybe with each book that I release, I'll probably learn a little bit more and probably step back a little bit more. <laughs> You know, or just, I need to find out, find a way to, to make it work like that. You can stay connected with people, but I don't want to be on there every day. My new thing is just going on once a week to see what's going on and to keep in contact with the people that I want to keep in contact with people, you know, an hour, once a week and jumping off. That's my new thing. (laughs) Like an hour, once a week and jumping off, because other than that, if you're on it every day, it could eat up like three or four hours every day of your time. Easy. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, And the whole Apple thing where they show you your screen time on like how often you use an app, that was just terrible. Ooh, yeah. I was, when I was at school, I was like, oh, I use my phone for like 10 hours or something. And they're like, 10 hours, that's nothing. I got 36. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, how can you be on it that often? I thought it was terrible. Yeah. And it's 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 so crazy because
1: it's a lot of times, it's like the way that they are programmed, they are programmed to keep you on it's like they know how the human brain works and these tech companies are doing everything they can to keep you on that app, you know? And so to send either sending you notifications or just feeding you things that you will, that will engage you. It's like, that's, they're doing your job in trying to keep you on their app as long as possible. So they can make as many ad dollars as they can, you know? And so just, it's, to for me, it was like an awareness, like, it's not, not my fault. It's, it's hard to control because literally it is designed to keep me on there. It's hard to get off because literally once you're on, they try to suck you in. So it's like, it's not like, oh, we're just weak and we just can't help. It's like, literally it is designed to keep you on there. So unless you kind of like, just get off of it and separate yourself from, from it, it's easy to be pulled in there for so many hours. You'll spend hours just looking at, what? Just (laughs) all (laughs) kinds of random things, like all types.
0: I 100%, even like, so I'm going to university hopefully in September. And because you can't go into like campuses and meet people and stuff, They've like set up online, you know, like paid page, Instagram pages and group chats and stuff. And I've met people doing like um buy that way. But at the same time, like me and my one other person who I met through it, we were talking and we're like, you know, meeting all these people is lovely but it's just eating up more time that you spend on your phone like it's designed yeah, like,
1: especially now oh yeah i feel for you that you can't go meet people in person right now hopefully everything will change and it'll be you know the the world will get it together <laughs> but no I, my heart reaches out to young people that are supposed to be going to college you're supposed to be out there living your life and meeting people and doing things and <laughs> you're not supposed to be like stuck in the house i like, know it's not right but nice. yeah But no, I see it's probably even more, especially more because everything now is, you know, turning into this virtual kind of world. So it's like increased. Like I can see that and you want to meet people, but it's like, oh, it's like on your phone all the time. You know, I've gone, I've set up a secret Instagram account where I only follow art like it's like all artists and all nature and I swear it's like the best thing ever I'm just
0: like (laughs) (laughs) it's peaceful it's like calming (laughs) it's so peaceful and it's
1: so calming and I sneak on there and I don't have to talk to anybody it's just me (laughs) I don't have to like comment or like or anything. And nobody's commenting on me. I have zero posts. It's like the greatest thing. But I did that so that I can like try to change my relationship to Instagram because I had started to hate it for a while. But it's like, no, it can actually be good. You just have to kind of learn how to use it. But yeah, no, with you going the fall, you want to meet people, but it's hard. And sometimes too, I feel like we're just meeting people you need that in person or at least phone. Like, you know, we have seen each other online now for how many years? Like I've yeah. seen you online, had no idea that you were even a student, had no idea of your age, had no, you know, I just see your avatar, I see Live, you know, and I don't know anything about you, but actually <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're cool. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. Is sense of each other. And so that's the thing. It's like, you could spend all this time online, you know, with even all the other authors online, I know very few of them personally, very few. Now, how many hours have we logged going back to forth and commenting on each other's things? Uh A ton. But what do I really know about them and what do they really know about me? Very little. And so that's the thing about it. It's like, you know, without the phone conversations or the in-person contact, it's like we're making all of these connections but they're kind of superficial. I mean, and the superficial connections serve a purpose too, you know? They serve a purpose, but they are what they are. You know, it's it, it, it it's not deep.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree with all of that. That is so true. Um, my last couple of questions is how important do you think it is that we see more um black love stories? How important? I just I think it's very important. Like I need more oh. black love, more happiness. You know, struggle oh, a little bit of struggle, but more
1: love. Absolutely. I mean, and not to take anything away from these books, because it's like, we, we do need these books that are truth telling, you know, about the abuse, you know, about the harm being done, you know, about, you know, our bodies, you know, being disrespected and, you know, about us being murdered about all of it. It's like, we need truth telling books, but we also need books that just show the fullness of our humanity. You know, black people are not just, you know, living in response to white people we're not just living in response to abuse we're living whole lives you know and there's so many different um there are so many different ways of being black I like to say there are billions of ways of being black on this planet because there are billions of black people on this planet and oftentimes in the media they like to just show one way you know, and they like to show the way we are victimized. And so that's always the way we are portrayed as victims, when that's just just not the case, you know, it's like, and so love stories in which I've been writing, you know, Calling My Name had love in it too, you know, it's not, you know, yeah. centered, it, it, it's kind of the second half of the book is centered on the love story but it's like, I love writing love stories because I feel like they show more of the fullness of who we are. It's like the stories are not concentrated on, you know, um, race, you know, these are just Black characters living their lives and, you know, just trying to learn and grow or just living through an experience. It's like, we have all the experiences that white people have. You know, we experience all the emotions that white people have. We just don't see it enough on the page. And for me, love was heal Black love stories growing up were so healing and they weren't in books. I didn't get them in books. You know, I got them in movies like Love and Basketball, you know, movies like Love Jones or you know there's so many that came out when i was growing up they disappeared too the movies have yeah. disappeared now the black love movies there was like a ton when i was growing up and now where are they but the black love stories are healing especially when you have to see yourself you know all the time or see you know your community all the time and in, in society you know that reflection that is being abused all the time isn't it a beautiful thing to see yourself being loved Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know isn't it a beautiful thing to see the representation of your community in love you know, it's like, and to see your hairstyles and to see the clothes and to see the things that you wear and to see, you know, somebody who could be your mom or your uncle or your grandma, to see somebody, all your boyfriends, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, him, oh, okay. <laughs> and you can relate to all of this, but it's not about race and it's not about being a victim. It's just about living, living, living. I think we need so many more stories just about black people living their lives, you know, but definitely love stories. Love stories are healing um healing and it 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 works to balance out the ways that we always have to see ourselves in the media so yes they're important yes more more love stories more love stories publishers publish more love stories (laughs) that's the thing it's like you know what ll mckinney was talking about on twitter you know it's it's like black people are almost incentivized to write about race because publishers pay you know it's like they realize when you come into the industry you realize very quickly you know what books get promoted you know yeah. and what books you know and so when you see like oh a race books get promoted a lot more you know and they they get a, a a lot more marketing dollars and they may even be getting you know um just better contracts it's like when you see this then it incentivizes black people to always write about those things and so that's what has to change it's like publishers need to start marketing you know books about black love and books about regular black teens or black kids just you know being joyous and just doing their things they need to start being advocates for those books and marketing those books just as strong as they do race books you know because it's showing us what you think is important do you not think the wholeness of our you know humanity is important do you not think our love stories are important is the only thing important to you is our pain that should not be the case you know it shouldn't be the case so
0: I agree and I think with the um you're talking about the movies I mean just right I don't know if you've seen just right with like Queen Latifah I love love that film and it never comes on tv so I've had to buy it myself (laughs) I love it I'm like give me some more black love that and um ATL with TI and Lauren London yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. I mean that obviously it it focuses on some areas of like black suffering because you know life is not easy as a black person no Um, it's it's the realness of the love and the realness of our stories that just makes me feel whole like you said and for publishers not to acknowledge the fact that we have the same experiences as white people. We live in the same world. It's yes. not a, a diff- We're not living on like Mars or anything. We no. do have love stories and we want yeah. to see that. And I'm sure people want to read it. They just don't know it yet because they yeah. haven't had the opportunity to. Yeah, we are human. It's like, it's like hard to say
1: that because it's so basic, but like, it's like, we are human. And that's the thing too, I think that a lot of publishers do is like when black people write books, it's like all of a sudden they think, oh, this book is for our black kids. But when white people write books, you know, this book is for everybody, you know. And so that has to change, too. It's like it's a black love story. And I feel like, you know, especially right now, it's like this language like black stories, black love stories, you know, in promoting, you know, it's like you're trying to make people aware that these books exist. Okay, sure. But what will be great is the next time you have a list of just love stories, just to include some black stories, some some stories featuring black characters on that list. When you have a list about, you know, good, you know, horror books, just include some 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 books with black characters or, you know, with black authors on that list. It's like it you have a way of othering us so we're like, oh, these are black books that you buy when you want to learn about black people no these are books these are just my book my book all things it's just a love story you know it's a love story that can be for anyone it's a love story these are human stories you know yeah. these are human stories so
0: yeah and we're not talking about like black people when they become like the food for vampires because that's what i've seen <laughs> with <of> the- oh, <laughs> Lord, oh no what Yeah, when I was watching Vampire Diaries, the first time, I was like pretty young, and then my aunt watched it, and she's like, I can't be watching this, every time they kill someone, it's just black people are getting killed, or they're the side characters, and one of the main characters is black, but every five minutes she's dying and getting resuscitated or whatever, and I just, I'm not talking about us as side characters, I'm talking about us as main characters. Main
1: characters, yes, as the main Mm characters. Yes. Yes. Books, you know, with like most of my books are just like all Black people. (laughs) A few, but yes, because, and that's the world, you know, too. It's like a lot of times um, when you have these worlds with, you know, mostly Black people, it's it's funny because we don't live, you know, nowhere now is segregated. However, it's like a lot of Black people hang around Black people because it's like a safe environment. It's like you have safety in that environment, you know. So it, it's not uncommon, you know. I remember going to college. Um and it's like you have the Black Student Union, and you have, and it's like you seek out other Black people because there's safety in that, you know, especially when I was in school. Like I went to school, you know, college. I graduated high school in 95, so I'm I'm a little older, you know, <laughs> and um, I remember as soon as I got to college, I had the one of the most memorable racist experiences I've ever had. And I just went running like, let me find me some black people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so and that's the thing. It's like what you said earlier in these books. It's like it's like it's it's the culture is there. Us being black is there without it being like, oh, this is a book about race. It's like the characters are black. You know, so we're going to be living, you know, lives of Black people, you know, and experiencing some of those experiences, like, you know, and all the things we never knew, you know, I feel like it comes up a couple of times, like race comes up, but it's just not the central, it's not the focus, you know, and so, but yeah, it's, it's important that we read stories featuring Black main characters written (laughs) by Black people and that they are promoted and marketed to everyone and everyone feels like they can read them and they're not like picking up. Oh, let me pick up this black book because I should learn more about black, you know? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's good that people are going out and they're doing that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do that. But just remember, it's like, you know, a a, a black love story or a story with, you know, black kids on the cover. It's, it's just a love story, pick it up yeah. and read it for the love story, you know, that's in it too. So, yeah.
0: I think um I recently read The Vanishing Half by Brit Bennett. Um, I just started that today. Just yeah, <laughs> it's oh it's incredible. I really enjoyed it, and like I didn't know much about passing. I mentioned to my mom, and she kind of explained it all to me. But for mm-hmm. me, that story is so much more. Like whenever you ask someone about it, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's about passing," and you yeah, know, yeah. no, I'm like, it's so much more. I mean, it's got so many different themes: colorism, LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. I mean. Yeah. there's so much in that book that I feel it could be recognized for so much more because she is an incredible writer and I mean when you finish it definitely come back and tell me what you think okay. because yeah. I just felt that you know yeah it's about passing you know black people went through a lot and you can't it's it's not an easy topic it's not an easy discussion to have in regards to passing but you can understand both sides of that story and mm-hmm. a book like that I wouldn't have thought would be published to the extent or marketed to the extent that it is because I don't know. I just think the publishing industry sometimes it's, it's a strange one for me, but that book for me was so nice to see something because the passing is part of black history, and again, we don't really get black history books in that sense,
1: yeah, no, yeah, Britt Bennett is an amazing writer. I love the mothers too. um but yeah, it's like you will get a lot more from, it's like they pick one point just to sell, you know, it's like, this is the marketing point that's going to sell the book, but obviously there's a lot more in it, you know, and there's probably more parts, you know, you may have appreciated more aspects of the story even more than that one, but that one was the one that they chose to sell the book.
0: (laughs) And I think if they mentioned the other points, people would have, loads more people would have picked it up. Mm, that's interesting now I'm really interested to see like to get into it Okay, oh, yeah. and I also listened to an audiobook as well which is great because I got I think the person who re- um, read the book had like quite a sudden accent so I felt like I was there at the time and everything just felt great for me
1: <laughs> yeah I love the way audiobooks can do that when they have an actor or an actress like you know and it's really and their accent is really Spot one, or they make you feel like you're there, you know, and they can really, um they make you feel like you're there, transport you. Like, okay, so now, okay, now I'm checking out the audio book. Okay, okay. (laughs)
0: okay.
1: (laughs) And probably for you too, especially being in England, you're like, okay, well, what does the South sound like? Or what does this town sound like? Yeah, I like, I love Audible because it's like, I always am reading things like in a regular book, but I like Audible because you can just listen and take in so many more books that way. And so I used to, when I was in the car driving around, um, I listen to a lot more Audible books now that I'm not in my car as much. I don't really have kind of the space to listen to them as much anymore, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, but I miss them. I'm I, feel, I will check this out
0: on Audible actually.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, One of the last questions I have for you was something that I saw on All the Things We Never Knew, the discussion um guide. And mm-hmm. one of the questions was, what relationships do you think requires forgiveness and which ones do you think can't be repaired once trust is broken?
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think in general... In life, I think um, once trust is broken, it's hard for me um, <laughs> to go back and have a relationship with the person. I mean, if it's a person that like you can't get them, if it's a if it's a man, you know, and if they have broken my trust, more than likely, I'm not going to give them a second chance, you know, just because um, if it's broken, it's broken and I have to be able to trust whoever I'm with, you know, unless there's something deeper in the relationship is just, really good, you know, and then we can work through it, you know, never say never. If we can work through it and it's super and our relationship is super good otherwise. And um and you know, we can come to an understanding or I can understand what went on and whatever, you know, I don't know. Um, but with people that you kind of have to have in your lives, I've had this, you know, with kind of friends or I'll call sister friends. It's like, you know, people do things and you don't trust them as much. And for those people, it's like I will have them in my life, but they will never, I won't trust them with my secrets and I won't trust them with, and and I, won't, and I won't even put myself in a situation where I'm like, you know, afraid of judgment, you know. So for the most people that are really in my life, that I'm around all the time, I have to have trust with them. You know, but I have some friends that I don't trust that much, and I'm cool with them. You know what I'm saying? And I'll have events with them, you know, or they'll go over, I'll be, you know, with my kids, or we'll, you know, get all the kids together, whatever. But it's not like you are in my tight circle and I'll trust you with everything. So I just put people in different places. Like, okay, are you in my inner inner circle? Are you in the next one out or the next one out, you know? And definitely all the people that I have close to me that are really close to me I trust I trust all the way you know um yeah I don't know I guess everybody has to figure that out themselves
0: (laughs) yeah I think that's definitely a hard one I think for me when I was thinking about it I was like I do try and forgive everybody that's not something I don't I'm not a person that's gonna like hold a grudge for a long time maybe for like couple minutes maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. But once trust is broken and you don't feel that you can trust is a, a very strong thing and without trust, it's very hard to have a very strong relationship with a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not even about forgiveness because
1: I can forgive you. I feel like I, I, I don't hold any kind of like ill feelings. So it's like, I can forgive a person, but just because you forgive a person doesn't necessarily mean that you have to allow them in your lives mm-hmm. or in your life. I feel like when you allow people access, you know, real access into your life, you know, that's an earned position. You know, and I feel like when people break that trust or hurt you in some kind of way or, you know, or even, you know, you may see a pattern developing, you know, um, and you may say, okay, this is a, this person is like this, but I still love them and they're still my friend, but you know, this aspect of their personality, I'm just not all the way down with, you know what I'm saying? And so we're not going to be that close. We'd be cool. We could stay in contact and it can be all cool. But, you know, I guess the only way to keep it all cool is to keep it at a distance for me, you know, um, for me, I don't know. It's like with the people that I'm really super close to, I don't have a lot of issues with. It's like, I don't have a whole bunch of issues that even come up. Or, you know, with my friends that I'm super close to, it's like, we're not having fights and we're not, we're not having things, they're not doing things that are causing me to
0: not trust them. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> um and the last question I'm going to ask you is about what you're writing next like what do you want to write next what are you writing next I guess
1: oh yeah I am I have started on something I don't know if I can talk about it yet because it hasn't been announced but um I will say that um I'm 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 in love and I'm I'm always at it I always have to go through that first. It's like just falling in love with your characters and, you know, inhabiting them. And so I'm in that space of inhabiting um, my characters and the world that they're in. And it's a beautiful thing. And I will say it's about a girl, like all my books, all my books, books are about, you know, a girl find, or, you know, girls and, and boys, you know, people finding themselves, you know, <laughs> at the heart of it too. That's always at the heart of my books is people finding themselves and, and um and believing in themselves and kind of valuing their own intuition um over the thoughts and opinions of you know of everybody else but this one is like a rebellion kind of story so she she rebels and she has to go through some things in order to um in order to see herself and a little bit more clearly so it's uh it's interesting I can't wait and it's a love story it'll be a love story <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, it's hard for me not, I I really love writing about love. So I think, and I love boys in real life. It's like, you know, it's like people always say when in school, like, don't focus on, you know, don't focus on, you know, relationships. You need to focus on your studies. Always focused on both. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) romance is always a big part of, it has always been a big part of my life. I always like a little romance going on in my life. (laughs) I I like to give my characters that too. No matter what's going on, I want some romance to be up in there it sounds great (laughs) that was so vague it was so vague but no but it was good I can be right now yeah
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for being on my podcast I'm being the first person I had on it as well